The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. And there's a lot of reasons to talk about Vegas this week, whether it's the Raiders moving there, what that means for Mr. Vegas, Steve Fezzik at Fezzik Sports, the only two-time winner of the Super Bowl of professional football betting. I am merely Ross Tucker, a former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, that as much as I love the betting during the NFL season, I'm enjoying learning about some of the NCAA tournament betting, some of the stuff with the Masters. Uh, how about the NFL, by the way, changing rules we need to call that the Fezzik rule since he had talked about it for so much there's a lot to get into today Steve we are presented by bet DSI absolutely love those guys they are the ones basically that make this podcast year-round so if you like this podcast please go to bet DSI use the code Tucker 15 because without them well there may not be any even money podcast year round. So if you haven't yet, go get the free $15. Tucker 15 is awesome at betdsi.com. All right, Steve, a lot to get to. I, I guess I want to start with the, the basketball since it's top of mind. We've been talking about it the last couple weeks. You know, we had the Sweet 16. I guess I just kind of want to get your rundown of what happened, kind of what you thought going into it, what ended up happening in the Sweet 16 round, um, thoughts, how the books did, um, and what kind of came out of it. Things of note from Sweet 16 weekend in college hoops. Sure. So we saw in the first two rounds, overs went 34-17-1. Kind of unprecedented, Ross. And the books adjust. They always adjust, and they move the totals up. So he had a few more unders than overs, nothing overwhelming, but um, the point spread tax on betting overs finally caught up to the betters. I think the theme of the tournament, there's two themes. One was the ACC's decline. They are 3-13 and 13 against the spread. So after a year of consensus, hey, the ACC is clearly the best league, that um, the results put the kibosh on that, and you have to wonder – 
possibly is North Carolina overrated based upon the entire conference being overrated. And I think that the theme here going into the Final Four also, we've got to discuss now the Final Four is in a football stadium, and will that impact the teams here in the Final Four? What about, Steve, the Final Four? Because you mentioned that. Is that something that the Vegas folks take into account in the football stadium? Does it affect the over-under, or should we all be banging the under? Yeah, well, we're kind of scrambling doing some research. So we took a look at University of Phoenix Stadium to see their history hosting basketball games. And there's not a lot of history, Ross, but it turns out back in 2009, they did play three NCAA games in the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight there, but they configured the stadium in the what would be the end zone of the Phoenix Cardinals, Arizona Cardinals uh, stadium there. And now they're going to put it at midfield essentially so going to be not comparing apples to apples i think the best comparison is and we had a guy at pregame um dave malinsky is just a genius knows about all this stuff and he went back and looked at all the games in dome stadiums and i thought it would be very significant the difference and it turns out that while shooting percentage especially shooting percentages from threes does go down it's very negligible difference so I would say if you just crunched your raw numbers and then wanted to make an adjustment, probably just just by a couple points, not by anything really, really large. Got it. All right. And what about the games themselves? I think the theme, and I'm plugged in in Vegas and we're talking about these teams, that South Carolina uh, has really – been effective on offense in this tournament. We all remember when they're playing in their home state, that second half they had against Duke, where they just went crazy scoring. They got the lead, and Duke kept fouling and pressing. And then they went to Madison Square Garden, and they put up 70 and 79. But this has been an offensively challenged team all year long that plays great pressing defense. Gonzaga handled the press against West Virginia for the most part in terms of turnovers, but it disrupted them. But they did not turn it over. And the feeling is this first game, if you're looking for it under that the South Carolina Gonzaga, you got two great defenses and two teams not used to playing in huge venues and on this grand scale, that would be the game to probably look under the total. Got it. Okay. Any other bets that you like or are you passing on the spreads between the two games? I am passing on the spread in the first game. You know, the second game, I'd rather bet this in live wagering when I can actually see it with my eyes, but the public loves North Carolina. So as bad as the ACC has done, Joel Berry is their point guard. And as he goes, so goes the team. They're a great rebounding team. They don't shoot well. They get like 40% of the rebounds when they miss though on the offensive side. And he hurt his ankle in the first round of the tournament. And he hurt his other ankle against Kentucky. He had to sit out for four minutes now, he said when he was interviewed before he played against Arkansas, he said, I'm, I'm 100%, I'm fine. And then he shot two for 13, and he was terrible. You have to wonder, now they're saying he's fine again. His ankles may not be right, especially the one he just hurt. If that's the case, Oregon's live in this game. Um, North Carolina has a huge experience um, advantage. They obviously lost in the finals last year. They're used to big venues, big stadiums, big games, but... I wonder about the hidden home field advantage. It's in Pac-12 country, the game's in Phoenix. I think everyone from Oregon roots for Oregon. Everyone from Gonzaga roots for 
Oregon, and I think the businessman from Phoenix roots for Oregon. So you might see the crowd rally behind Oregon here. That might mitigate North Carolina's experience. Got it. Okay. Anything else hoops-related while we're on it, whether that is from the Sweet 16 or the Final Four, anything else, at least college hoops-related, that you think that uh, you could give some insight on or we should know about? I did go back the last four years, and the first halves in Final Four games went over eight of the 12 games. However, the second halves went under eight of the 12 games, and that speaks a little bit to Ross that maybe these teams, after a longer halftime, they come out, they realize how important the game is, and the team with the lead is very protective of the ball and slows it down. If you like unders in the games, I think I would go ahead and look to the second half under, not the game under. Um, I will go ahead and put out a best bet if I can on the first game. Do it. Let's go under South Carolina Gonzaga. Let's go under the 138.5. I really think, like I discussed, you've got two dead not under teams playing each other, and I think this one does stay under. All right. I like it. I'll, I now have another reason to be watching. I will be – we're going to have dinner with the girls. Then we're going to watch, I think, Trolls movie night. Uh, but I scheduled it so I could specifically watch the second half of that game and then the entire next game. So I'll be rooting for the under. I love the best bets. Bri, for, for old times, that you want to play a little best bet sounder? The best bet. Nice. I guess I'm in on it with you. We only play that sounder if I'm in on it with you too. So – what Steve said, under, for sure in that one, for sure. You know what stinks about that game, Steve? I want both those teams to win. I wish they were not playing each other, you know? I, I'm yeah, you rooting for root Gonzaga. For- I'm rooting for Gonzaga and South Carolina. I, I wish that they were in the in, in opposite semifinal. Although, you know what? I guess it guarantees that I have uh, a rooting interest in the um, – I guess it guarantees I have a rooting interest in the final Monday night. You've got to root for Gonzaga all the years that they have been so competitive and the committee hasn't done them any favors with seedings. I'd like to see Mark View you know, go ahead and get a title. I can't really root for Frank Martin because I'm just not a, like, a screamer, Ross. So a coach like that, I, even though he's very competent, obviously, I, um, I can't root for him. But um, one, I do want to caution you trolls. There's some very graphic possible um, allusion to violence in specifically, there's the danger of trolls being eaten, so um, be careful with your children. No, they've already watched it. I know that. I, I, they've already <laughs> watched it. I never have. <laughs> so I'm watching. I mean, they can watch. They've already watched it like three times. But, dude, I love it. I love, I love that we're on the Even Money Gambling Podcast, and you're giving me, you're giving me the line. You're giving me the heads up. You're giving me the, the, the tips on trolls. <laughs> oh, man. That is great. Speaking of great, Steve. How great for the people of Las Vegas is the Raiders moving there? How excited are you about that? Yeah, the city is completely embracing this. You know, we're getting our hockey team, the Golden Knights, coming this season, and we're becoming a big sports city. I, the consensus is the Raiders are slam dunks, going to be super successful, even though we only have two, at most two and a half million people to support it, Ross. The Raider Nation from Los Angeles, we feel, is going to travel and basically come to Vegas 15, 20,000 strong every home game. We don't know if Oakland's going to do that or not, 
But um, there's plenty of Raider fans in L.A. that will stay Raider fans here in Las Vegas. And you know what? They may be moving before 2020 when the stadium's going to be done because Oakland does not want to stay in Oakland any, any longer than they have to right now. How do you feel about all of that taxpayer money? Maybe not just your opinion, but the, the whole city and the, and the county. How do you feel about close to a billion dollars in public taxpayer money going to that stadium? It's a really bad financial deal when compared to other financial deals, but I'm fine with it, Ross, because we're a city that does not have an NFL franchise. We don't have an NBA team. We don't have an MLB team. I think it's great we got a hockey team, but I think that to the, the doors that it will open up in other areas is so important. And look at our UNLV football team. It's been a joke for 30 years. They play in Sam Boyd Stadium, which is in a stadium 20 miles away from the Strip in Henderson in the middle of nowhere. And it's impossible to recruit everyone, to play, kids to play in the desert and play there. And so for the UNLV to be able to play in the stadium as well, there's a lot of other advantages not just for having an NFL stadium, but having that world-class venue there and really will put Las Vegas on a map and maybe one day even get a Super Bowl. So here's my question. I think they will get a Super Bowl, uh, but here's my question. I think that should probably be the NFL's motto. If you give us close to a billion dollars, we'll give you a Super Bowl. I mean, that's, that's pretty much their motto. You know, I look at it, Steve, I feel like, I mean, Las Vegas is made up of a lot of transplants like yourself. You grew up what, a Bengals fan? I did, long-suffering in Ohio. Okay, so then, but it's mainly transplants like you. It's not a lot of people that are native to Las Vegas. So I guess I'm wondering, take me to 2020, and I know nobody really knows the answer to this, because it's also going to be a big-time destination for the away team fans. If you had to put a percentage of fans, your guess, that are Raiders fans for those games, home games, versus other fans, maybe they're the away team fans, maybe it's just a guy from New York that moved out to Vegas, maybe it's Steve Fezzik, who's really a Bengals fan, but he goes to the game because it's an NFL game and wants to take his son, whatever. Um, what percentage of the fans do you think will be, will be Raiders fans? I think it all depends upon the opponent. By the way, I'm not going to be able to go unless it's a Sunday night game because I'm way too busy with everything else that I'm doing probably. Um, if you're playing the Steelers or the Cowboys, it's going to be really close to 50-50. If you're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, probably 90% Raider fans. Got it. Okay. And what about that being the case? What about the home field advantage? I know usually when we talk on on the podcast, you know, it's usually three points. There are some home field advantages that you tell me are two. Are there any that are more than three? Seattle, maybe? Any any home field advantages, maybe New England, that are more than three? Yeah, new, exactly right. New England, four. Green Bay, four. Seattle, four. Those are um, three that absolutely stand out. In general, the better teams have a better home field advantage because you get a louder crowd situation. So you get a team like Atlanta, when they're good, their home field advantage goes up. When they're bad, it goes down. In different teams in the South, uh, San Diego stood out, Jacksonville, Miami Dolphins, those are teams with two-point advantages where the crowds are less vocal. I want to ask you, Ross, as an NFL player, 
Talk to me about curfews the night before the game. I'm, I'm unaware about what the situation is. Uh, usually 11. Got to be in your room at 11. They come around and they check. They actually you check. Have, you yes, have to sir. have your door unlocked. They're with a guy from security, and they open every door. So door has uh-huh. to be unlocked. They open every door. Hey, Tuck, you in there? Yep. All right. Get ready for tomorrow. Good night. So that will be a non-factor for the NFL teams here. Um, you know, coming to Vegas, the, the talk has always been if we got an NBA franchise, you know, what would happen with um, the – they always talk about the Texas Triangle, that NBA teams that travel like to San Antonio, Dallas, and Houston, those are really fun places and venues. And oftentimes they look groggy by the third trip going out with the nightlife, so that won't be a factor for the NFL teams. No, it's really not because you get there Saturday afternoon, maybe 4 or 5 o'clock, and then they'll set it up so that they have meetings at 8 or 9, you know. So you might have time to go out to dinner somewhere, but that's, that's about it. Um, and I'm sure those guys will be really warned before they even do it. I'm curious, Steve, we probably asked this before, but where did they come up with 3 or 2 or 4 for the home field advantage number? I mean, how, how did they originally get that? Well, last year, home teams outscored visiting teams by, I believe it was like 2.8 for the year. So we rounded off to three, that the home field advantage is worth three. And then as you're progressing through a season, you just notice that there's certain teams that just um, are performing better at home or just don't seem to have any kind of home edge at all. You hate to say the home field advantage is worth nothing, but if you look and you query like the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Miami Dolphins, Ross, it really seems like they're just playing on a neutral site when they're playing at home, that they're, they're not out, outscoring their opponents by anything when they're a mediocre team or a 500 team. And so you, you go ahead and make your best guess. Um, and teams like Seattle, you talk about their home field advantage when they're like a 10 point favorite, their home field edge might not be worth four, but when the game's closer to pick them, Seattle is a monster at winning and covering in games that are uh, lined at home at less than six points. Speaking of a monster, you've been a monster when it comes to what teams should do at the end of the half and at the end of the game at times in terms of just tackling the opposing receivers. And I think, Steve, uh, you doth protest too much because – the NFL heard you, I'm sure. The competition committee makes sure to listen to the Even Money podcast every week. But they have essentially done away with the Fezzik rule. You're going to have the, the clock is going to go back to the start, and you're going to get 15 yards if you commit multiple fouls on a play in that situation to try to, uh, to, try to have the clock run out. So consider that loophole closed, right, Steve? Yeah, and what happened is that, it, shocker, it wasn't the Jacksonville Jaguars that exploited the rule too much. It was a good coach. So Harbaugh in Baltimore, at the end of a game, was punting. I think this is the, the, the play that forced the hand of the NFL to change the rule. Where they're, So they're punting, and every single one of their players held blatantly at the line of scrimmage, and their punter just ran around for 10 seconds before going um, out of the end zone. And the clock ran out. And there's no penalty. There's, well, there's a penalty, but what are you going to do? Oh, holding, take the penalty and have him kick again. And so that would put the kibosh that the NFL finally, it, it amazes me, Ross, it took this long. It's so obvious as a better and a follower of all the games, I was amazed how teams didn't realize the 
ultimate example at the end of the first half. You have the ball on my 10-yard line. There's eight seconds left. Tackle everyone on the line of scrimmage. Five yards, flags fly. Quarterback eventually throws it away, and you kick your field goal. A team should never be able to score, um, but now they will be able to score because they've implemented this good rules change. What about the uh, the no leaper rule on field goals and extra points? Does that have any impact on your mind in in gambling? I think it has a huge impact, and people will disagree with me, but I'm wow. getting into the head of the kicker. And Ross, you played for five different teams. I imagine you had five very unique kicker personalities that you dealt with. Kickers don't like uncertainty. They don't like changes. They don't like unpredictable contingent events. The whole idea of a very athletically gifted player jumping over their center and blocking their kick and mangling them probably does not sit well with them psychologically, even if it doesn't happen very well. I think that they will be sleeping much easier and kicking much better. You know what, Steve? I I, I tend to agree. I I think that it was at times, like if you were playing – a team that did it a lot, like Seattle or New England with McClellan did it a couple times, if you're playing a team like that, they would even have those guys walk around and act like they might do it just to try to get in the kicker's head. And I really think that it did have an impact. I think that that is very well said by you. I think that that's absolutely the case. Um, the only other thing I wanted to ask you about today is, and maybe we'll have to do the, we'll talk after the show, maybe we'll have to do the Even Money podcast earlier next week since the Masters starts on Thursday. But anything uh, ahead of time right now with the Masters, uh, we'll talk about maybe doing the podcast early next week. But anything right now, just in case it doesn't fit our schedules and we can't? Yeah, um, just where the money's going, There, we talked last week about there being three clear favorites. Uh, there are no head-to-head matchups up yet. That They'll be up next week. Um, but um, Spieth has held steady at 7-1. to McElroy has gone back from 7-1 to 8-1. and But uh, David Johnson, the betters believe that at the Masters right now that he is the best golfer in the world because he's at 6-1. to So he has the shortest odds of all of the golfers. Um, Jason Day is 16-1. to His mother has been sick, so there's lots of concerns about him not being able to be fully focused. So um, really, the, um, the marketplace is saying it's a three-horse race in terms of favorites at the Masters. Interesting. Dustin Johnson, right? I think you said David Dustin Johnson. Johnson you got, sorry, yeah. I think you got NFL on mind. Speaking of uh, next week's major event, a tradition unlike any other, DraftKings.com, Steve, is hosting a free fantasy golf contest with $100,000 in total prizes up for grabs. Just pick six golfers before the tournament tees off next Thursday. Then sit back and follow the action live. Golf is a relaxing sport to watch. If you want to spice it up a little bit, make sure you go to DraftKings.com. Again, though, remember, the tournament starts next Thursday. So don't forget, go to DraftKings.com now. Get free entry in the $100,000 contest for golf's first major with promo code FUMBLE. That's code FUMBLE to play free for your share of $100,000 in total prizes only at DraftKings.com, the destination for one-week fantasy sports. Eligibility restrictions may apply. See DraftKings.com for details other than that steve i am pumped for next week 
We will talk Masters. We will talk baseball. And we will talk about how the Final Four finished up. Anything else we can think of for next week's show. And then we're going to start to bring on some guests, some experts, and maybe even some listeners for some of the conversations here on the Even Money Podcast. So make sure you keep tuning in here each and every week. And make sure you take advantage of the Tucker 15 at BetDSI.com so that we can keep doing the Even Money Podcast with some sponsorship. You know how to spread the word. His Twitter's at Fezzik Sports. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. It's crazy easy to just do the little retweet thing. Or give me the thumbs up on Facebook, facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. iTunes rankings and comments, always much appreciated as well. And if you have a question, take advantage of any of the sponsors at rostucker.com. Send me the email and say, here's my question for Fezzik. I've always wanted to know about betting on this or betting on that or whatever. Other than that, good luck, everybody, with your final four bets, with your master's bets, your early master's bets. Hope you guys win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast Podcast, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.